realistically are we 10 years away from that where we'll see a huge number of brands come out of india so making a prediction about the future is very hazardous <laughs> your biceps steel no. <laughs> you know i know as strong as your biceps every country has navigated this path first starting with assembling that learning to walk and then doing more value added is the running part and the final conversation is probably building your own brands absolutely the branding part is a sprinting part mm. you know google or apple or any of these companies their market value compared to the book value on the balance sheet is much higher there's a part of me that's tempted to stop podcasting and get into manufacturing of some sort the least i can do if i don't get into manufacturing myself is have people from the yeah. audience actually get into it and yeah. then do what i dreamt of doing i'm going to be stuck <laughs> here doing podcasts all my life no no i'm kidding pardon my language but what the fuck is going wrong with pakistan <laughs> like <laughs> like economically speaking i would put it this way when you have power without responsibility that is a recipe for bad governance the modi government's focus is on infrastructure and mm-hmm. it's probably going to be on infrastructure until it's completely set if you can't put the blame for this on the entrepreneurs it is about policy it's not something that actually will happen overnight KV Subramanian is one of the most respected Indian economists he served as the 17th chief economic advisor to PM Narendra Modi this was during the phase of the lockdown on this episode he's shared his stories his economic predictions as well as his world view after serving the country for all these years this is KV Subramanian on TRS Welcome to the Ranveer show KV Subramanian sir how are you I'm doing very well Ranveer how are you great uh, we had a fantastic first conversation in hindi where we covered the basics of economics uh, we've done a few of those with uh, one of your colleagues Sanjeev Sanyal on the show mm-hmm. and fortunately for me this audience that we're catering to now is pretty advanced with a lot of the things they know mm-hmm. so I feel like we'll be able to talk at a very deep level so <laughs> <laughs> let's see how we go okay speaking of deep levels uh, you switched from being an engineering grad into eventually becoming the chief economic advisor for the indian government into becoming uh, india's representative at the imf are these related roles <laughs> they are uh, these i think the chief economic advisor um, and the ed there are many you know uh, people before me who actually have similarly you know had uh, such roles what does a ca do as a good question <laughs> <laughs> um so the ca is supposed to actually be um the so th- there are many ways i can put this sure. um you know one is that he's supposed to give uh, advice on uh, you know on economic policy economic aspects to the you know um in the finance ministry and to the finance minister and also you know to the if possible to the finance minister to the prime minister as well uh my very raw assumption was that you work with pm modi and yeah. you work with the finance ministry yeah which is currently with nirmala sitaraman but do you work with the other ministries as well do you work with all of them um so yes you know you are right in saying that my the major interactions that i that i had was with the honorable prime minister and with the honorable finance minister but i did have interactions with you know with others as well um you know uh, in 
early early on actually on you know some of the for instance ministry of commerce you know that's as as important um you know other ministries as well some of the infrastructure ministries you know interactions with those you know uh, which basically go and implement or you know do the infrastructure um similarly you know some of the um, ministries at that time it was actually the you know ministry that manages all the public sector companies etc so all those actually come into the department that manages that so um um similarly some of the people in niti aayog that actually was, would you know were working on healthcare actually they were an important element so um i'll i'll go back to what you know the, um, the flesh that you know a ca puts on on his or her you know uh, um, time as a ca is actually depends on how much one you know he want he or she wants to contribute um and there the, so you you basically create the canvas the painting on the canvas based on how you know ambitious you are about contributing um, to the nation and knowing fully well that some of your suggestions will get rejected yes i think that's that's something which is so that's that that is par for the course which is you know if i let's say took um five ideas you know to the to the honorable prime minister um you know some of those ideas actually may not for instance be may not have you know sort of fructified as well you know maybe there's some more, some more work required i've seen for instance some some ideas that i might have taken to him you know at which have been implemented later as well after i've sort of relinquished office too um and some ideas may actually maybe the the, the time is not right or maybe you know it 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 it's not working at this point in time but that's part of you know that that's part of the role of of a advisor of a ca where you know in fact i would look at if if basically two or three ideas you know um, get implemented i think that's a very good hit rate um and and this you know for for those of us who actually came from research and you know especially publishing in the you know top top outlets in the world uh this was something that we were trained for um because if you take for instance if you have to I mean as a finance scholar or an economic scholar if you have to actually send papers you know in the top journals the acceptance rates in these journals actually is you know 5 6% okay. um and so you know uh, working on an idea and and um you know seeing that idea getting sort of not the not level of acceptance that you would ideally like is something that is par for the course for a for a researcher i mean in fact i oftentimes tell you know those who want to do a phd phd students i would tell them that if you take let's say the you know 5 6 years of a doing of doing a phd and then there is what is concept of concept of getting tenured which means you you have a permanent job you know once you have tenure which takes anywhere between 7 to 8 years so together basically about 12 years starting from your phd program if you multiplied with the number of days it's about 5000 days approximately 12 times you know so if in 5000 days if you have five good days what are these five good days these are the days when the editor of a top journal sends you an email saying your paper has been accepted you know your your career is made so 5 out of 5000 is 0.1% <laughs> which means 99.9% of the times you are either actually working towards success or you are failing mm. and 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 that is something which you get well trained um um for um you know if if you basically work on five ideas and you know three of them make it to top journals that's a very good hit rate we got to move to a spicier part of the episode sir uh we've spoken about the current indian economy uh in a bunch of episodes even in the last hindi episode that we just did uh the modi government's focus is on infrastructure and mm-hmm. it's probably going to be on infrastructure until the infrastructure is completely set yeah. which is possibly 
after maybe one or two more terms mm-hmm. that's how long it takes to build out a country mm-hmm. as large as india yeah. with the kind of population we have yeah uh i remember in the last one i also asked you other than infrastructure what is being focused on yes. we spoke on manufacturing correct uh because basically when you help the world of manufacturing in any country you give rise to a lot of jobs yeah. you stabilize the economy because correct. people have predictable incomes etc you increase exports correct so you know uh, i would want to for for you know our viewers here on manufacturing sure. um because there is a lot of debate on this and especially for instance this idea um you know which which i was involved in the the pli scheme for instance so i want to explain to our viewers you know see in 1991 we liberalized the economy but when it comes to you know enabling or empowering our manufacturing sector firms policy really did not do very much you know allow me to explain this as well you mean so, since 1990 till now 19 till 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 you know recently and you know uh, uh, till the uh, sort of this government came into power um, okay. so uh, let me explain this because think about a manufacturing firm you know what are the costs that it has it actually manufacturing sec- firm uses power a manufacturing firm needs labor needs land it needs to actually transport whatever it produces and it also needs to actually you know spread its fixed costs over a large denominator what we econ- economists call economies of scale so these are five inputs right if your land is actually you can't go and acquire land as easily or at at reasonable prices compared to firms that you have to compete with globally let's say you know 10 20% higher land cost your labor is basically labor reforms have not happened and so you know adjusted for quality or you know labor you're paying 10 20% more again if let's say power is you know is not available 24/7 it's not reliable you know there may be power cuts let's say and you're not getting adequate power then again that cannot that cannot help net net if you take into account the opportunity cost time lost etc you are actually paying a much higher you know cost for 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 power maybe 20 20% again um if you actually take then you know uh, um, transportation because the roads are not that great you know you other firms in firms in other countries are shipping maybe at you know in half the time and maybe without any damages etc because there are no potholes and you know things like that so that adds maybe another 10 20% right and finally if you basically have created laws in such a way that you know firms prefer prefer to be dwarfs which means they even despite aging they continue to be small then your fixed costs are actually not being spread over a large denominator if you're a you know a firm that has 100 employees versus a firm that has 1000 employees the same fixed costs are being spread over a much larger denominator when it's a 1000 employee firm rather than a 100 employee firm and the kind of laws that we've had actually has you know when a firm reaches 95 it basically they don't you know a promoter wants to create another firm so that he doesn't get you know deprived of some of the benefits that get that you get from being less than 100 that has encouraged this phenomenon of dwarf dwarfism now put all this together on each of these costs each of these inputs the indian firms basically were you know incurring costs that were 15 20% at least larger than the you know somebody who's actually even the most innovative entrepreneur can reduce through his ideas can maybe bring his cost down by 20% 30% but when you add these up you're actually this is amounting to 100% at least right so policy and this is something which is so important i have to emphasize that our policy has basically not 
and this is this is not we can't put the blame for this on the on the entrepreneurs it is about policy which did not go and work on these what we economists call factor markets these are the factors of production labor land power you know transportation economies of scale each of these factors these are all markets themselves there's a labor market there's a market for power there's a market for land we did not work on actually making these markets competitive at all and so you know our firms have not been competitive and the you know and and this is nobody has an overnight wand you know it's basically to sort of want to to create overnight magic it is the emphasis has been you know and this is something which i you know uh, uh, took sort of special uh, uh, attention to brought special attention to is you know working on these factors of production cost making them you know um, for instance the labor law reform actually the bill was passed in parliament um, the if you look at infrastructure the emphasis on power is on you know logistics railways trans you know roads etc so that logistics costs go down um the you know uh, um, msme definitions have been changed so that firms can grow bigger um in other words we encourage children that can become giants rather than encouraging dwarfs taxpayer mm-hmm. money should go into child you know into investing in children that can become giants um rather than dwarfs and these together actually will really help in you know in encouraging manufacturing so it's a it's it's not something that actually will happen overnight they have it patient work especially from policy makers on each one of these inputs is i think important each one of these markets so that you know the cost of that particular input becomes you know as as good as the level that other global firms have that is important now the pli scheme comes in basically as the bridge to this new you know so the the equilibrium that we've had you know this is one where all these costs are actually higher for our firms um and while policy happens you know and these costs are actually reduced through in you know, emphasis on policy we st- we have to have indian firms actually which will be you know which will be there to do manufacturing right so you know you you can't you have to in policy you can't pretend you know in in academia we can actually so you know the, the bad equilibrium to good equilibrium you actually write it in a paper done but in the real world you actually have to create that bridge from the bad equilibrium to the good equilibrium and that is what the pli scheme really is and and this is something that is actually you know policy makers have to understand have to realize that if you did not have the pli scheme by the time the good equilibrium comes where our costs are all lower if there aren't enough firms to actually domestic firms you know where will the jobs get created hmm got it cool uh is this what china had done right in the last 30 40 years yes very much like, in fact you know in fact china n- not only did it you know make these each of these inputs at the same level through state driven capitalism they would also give sort of implicit subsidies as well so that the costs for chinese firms on these factors of production were actually lower than you know than than than, than global firms um and they of course utilize the fact that they had a, they had you know huge demographic dividend when they st- in the 1980s huge labor force right and so labor costs were lower they used that to you know to really enable manufacturing okay. not just china in fact actually any and this a, a chapter that we had written in the economic survey 2019-20 economic survey if you look at any firm you know or, or look at any country that has become an export powerhouse or become a manufacturing powerhouse they, you know they've become that by first actually learning to assemble stuff and then moving into more value added i'll give you an example from more, india itself more value added i'll i'll explain that okay. i'll explain that so if you take 
you know maruti in india right in the 1980s late 1980s maruti set up shop but it was a joint venture with suzuki so what would happen all the components you know uh, would come in um, they would be imported and they would be assembled you know in 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 india it was only assembly so the maruti car that initially came out was all the components were actually manufactured in you know in in japan and they were just shipped in here and it was assembled here if you're just doing the assembling then you're not adding as much value that's why i meant the value added in contrast if you are manufacturing those components as well then obviously you are actually you know you are sort of creating more value in india itself now this happened in the 1980s when we were only assembling the cars then but since then the entire ancillary sector you know the entire industry for manufacturing of components all that has developed and that is how countries move as well you don't learn to actually run before learning to walk and in the you know in the context of export powerhouse manufacturing this assembly is that learning to walk you know and then backward integration which is basically doing more value added is the running part you know we have to actually it's that territory every country japan china you know we showed that through very very robust evidence as well every country has navigated this path first starting with assembling and then going into value added um so some of the criticism that comes actually on this that oh you know assembling is basically pli scheme is being given let's say for given for electronics assembly you know that is something that's a sine qua non it's essential you know to be able to then move into you know uh, um to to, to value added manufacturing of components as well it's not as if you have a magic wand and say today we will manufacturing you know electronics end to end that capability for that doesn't get built unless you've learned how to do the assembly you know these are all things that are actually part of practical policy making and the final rung in that value add uh, conversation is probably building your own brands absolutely oh i'm 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 so glad you said it you know this is i think that's that's a very very important part because brands actually you know when you look at that that's where the maximum value comes from like um, germany's done it very well yes intellectual property right um in gives you you know you get the rewards from intellectual property um if you look at for instance you know and there's something as a as a finance scholar i look at if you look at let's say the what is called the market to book ratio of a company right um if you look at the you know take a take a company like let's say you know Google or you know Apple or any of these companies right their physical assets are not that many their market value compared to the book value on the balance sheet is you know much higher where is that coming from that is coming from the brand that they've built and and that is the last step you absolutely got it right that having first you know learn to run you know uh, sorry for having first learn to walk then learn to run the branding part is a sprinting part mm. you know where you can sprint and start winning the sprint races as well realistically are we 10 years away from that where we'll see a huge number of brands international brands come out of india and then actually help the indian gdp so you know the, the, generally um so making a prediction about the future is very hazardous <laughs> uh, uh, but you know with with that caveat i would say um 10 years is a, is a very reasonable frame if you are able to if if 10 years later you know indian brands are known in the advanced economies then i'd be very glad 
For instance, you know, today here, you know, in um, in India, everybody knows, you know, Samsung. Everybody knows, let's say, Hitachi. You know, um, company like. If similarly, let's say, you know, maybe uh, an Indian brand is known in, you know, um, and I'm not taking examples just so that you know, I people don't perceive me to be biased to one or the other. Just any brand, any Indian brand. Actually, I'm, you know, as long as it is an Indian brand that actually can go and become big in the world, you know, great for India. Beer biceps steel. <laughs> <laughs> Why not beer steel? Yeah. Why not Or biceps steel? You know. Why not? As strong as your biceps. Why not? See, I'll, I'll be so very. I'll give you a, ta a tagline for the ad as well when you create, you know, a biceps steel as strong as Ranveer's biceps <laughs> steel. that is that you know i'm i'm always in for the beer biceps validation <laughs> that's all i'll say but i'll i'll be very raw here with you sir uh breaking away from this economics conversation i've had so many government officials on the show people who are associated with the government politicians everyone points indian youth towards this manufacturing domain mm -hmm. because i'm understanding that it directly helps you guys in terms of your goals yeah and the government's goal is to make india prosperous correct so if an indian person wants to help make the country more prosperous yeah probably manufacturing is one of a very nice opportunity yes. to kind yes. of uh, grow yes um, yes and in particular to actually create jobs for our youth yeah you know it is incredibly important it's a self actualizing job to have as yes. a manufacturing based entrepreneur yes. because you're helping your country you're helping yourself you're yes. doing good in the world correct uh i'm so tempted i'm i'm not even i'm not saying this as a joke but yeah. there's a part of me that's tempted to stop podcasting and get into manufacturing of some sort because yeah. of just how much i know about this yeah the yeah. least i can do if i don't get into manufacturing myself is have people from the correct. audience actually get into it and correct. then do what i dreamt of doing but i'm going to be stuck here <laughs> doing podcast all my life no no i'm kidding i love this but let me add one you know one aspect to this ranveer sure. on the see you know um, uh, there was this famous nobel laureate called milton friedman um, who came up with you know and i'm just trying to explain manufacturing using sure. so he has this uh, hypothesis um, that is called the permanent income hypothesis this is jargon for actually what i what is something which is a very simple idea which is that you know our consumption any individual's consumption or a household's consumption is dependent on what we expect our level of permanent income to be you know an an example of this is suppose you get a promotion right um when you get a promotion you expect now your permanent income to be higher than what it was before the promotion and so you may go and buy a bigger car or you may actually buy a bigger house maybe it's not a bigger house maybe actually from versova maybe you might go to you know you know south mumbai for instance right um and that's just increasing consumption so consumption at the level of an individual household or an individual depends on what they think their permanent income is going to be in future now here's where the role of manufacturing comes in because when you have a job in the organized sector right um you know you unless you goof up really badly right you're going to have that job for maybe the next 20 25 30 years and you know a, a steady stream of income is going to come every month then you don't have uncertainty about you know what is what are you going to earn next month mm. um, and that then enables you to plan your consumption and increase this consumption that's what milton friedman you know said and when you take that and apply it to the you know to the to the context of manufacturing when manufacturing basically really picks up and it started picking up already and you know but we have to do more on this uh, the jobs will created can get created in large numbers um 
people who have jobs because in jobs in the organized sector in organized manufacturing they'll know they actually have a certain permanent income using that they'll actually go and spend more money demand will go up in the economy anticipating the such demand increases you know firms will invest more you could do your you know bicep steel for <laughs> instance um, and and others and and that's how the virtuous cycle you know which really drives economic growth you know moves fast so if manufacturing takes off as a sector as a catalyst for general economic I, so growth so let me you know less we are quote, sort of misquoted here i don't think we should say if you know it's actually it's already started moving um when it really sort of uh, um you know we end sort of finish the the entire stage of you know all the stuff that has to be done on manufacturing then you know lots of jobs would get created and all the stuff that i'm talking about would fructify okay. okay you want to do a short question and answer round on yeah sure pardon my language but yeah. what the fuck is gone wrong with pakistan <laughs> like <laughs> what's up like economically speaking I, everyone knows the geopolitical angles ki the 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 military controls everything in that country the wrong guys are making the decisions at the top and that's what's led to this Go over many years i would say it's governance okay wrong policy again wrong policy that stems from governance eventually good policy is actually an outcome of good governance similarly then you know bad policy is a outcome of bad governance which is an outcome of what the wrong people being in power so i would put i would put it this way when you have power without responsibility that is a recipe for bad governance when you're in a position of power for power, individualistic no i'm just saying actually you have power but you don't have as much responsibility for instance you know and this is by the way i'm not an expert on pakistan i'm just basically you know i i've i've um, researched governance and especially corporate governance and based on that i'm 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 speaking here that you know if if let's say you have the power to make a lot of decisions but you're not held accountable for the outcomes that come from those decisions then you have power but you don't have responsibility and you know and and that is a recipe for disaster so because the military controls everything there if there are wrong decisions is not really outcomes no they, so they end up making the decisions but they're not held accountable for the outcomes that come out of it okay and they'll probably never be held accountable maybe not you know um i think some some of the events that were happening in the last one year at least there was an attempt to try, to try and make the make them more accountable but i think that died a very quick death mm okay uh you know the obvious engineering logic here is if you can see that shit is going to hit the roof why don't you prevent it a little earlier it's because of self interest okay it's you know um see even self interest and here actually i'll speak from a sort of a spiritual perspective you know um self interest can be elevated self interest or can be naked self interest um when it's elevated self interest you know you want to do good let's say for the country because you derive satisfaction out of doing good or maybe you want to actually leave a a brilliant legacy right uh, people remember you for 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 the work that you did that's elevated self interest um in contrast you know you just want to basically make a ton of money whichever way it comes you know basically you're sort of taking let's say a, a, a taxpayer's money that's naked self interest um elevated self interest i think you know is is leads to good governance and thereby to good policy 
naked self interest where you basically just i me myself kind of you know uh, you know to hoods with everybody else you know i'll just basically self aggrandize um i think that leads to bad governance and then eventually to bad policy as well effectively this would mean that if our manufacturing is on point uh, if we are functioning fantastic as a bit of a bazaar for the gulf and the west mm -hmm. that's what will really enable even more success over the next 25 years yeah. that's yeah. the variable yeah. um yes. you you want to give some context on exactly what's happened like how is this so so i think the the important context here is you know after the global financial crisis the forces of globalization you know trade etc have actually suffered pushback with you know even for instance uh the us saying america first um you know and it's it's this has happened in other countries as well right um so some of the forces that you know enabled globalization you know up until the global financial crisis you know it was actually on an upward momentum but then has since then you know sort of has started uh, declining so in that context um i think you know in enabling trade from india you know into india and from via the the gulf the middle east into you know uh, the advanced economies europe and 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 the us i think is 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 a very very important antidote in some sense to this you know um, sort of trend against globalization right at the same time of course this is india's you know sort of play against the you know the 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 belt and road initiative as well mm. um, so you know strategically it's 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 very important too okay wow damn so geopolitics is one massive factor in your role always like studying it understanding what understanding happened. it actually because you know see one of the things that you have to remember is that you know a growing tide lifts all boats and a sinking tide actually buries all boats and so you know understanding the global economy i think is extremely important for any buddy who actually uh, you know wants to do policy making at the national level yeah one of the things i find very fascinating about your world of economics is i is that i always assume that for a country to become richer other countries probably need to get slightly poorer like lose 1 rupee and then they collect and come here and then i realize that's not true no yeah in fact that's Because why i was actually sort of left thinking that is sort of you know portraying it as a zero sum game and it's not it's not yeah. uh, it or let me let me say it need not be mm like uh, there, there is a utopia where every country could get richer together um i i don't think i would say utopia you know if you saw basically what happened before the global financial crisis right um at least till the you know till 2008 2009 the us of course benefited from very low cost imports um china benefited as well by growing its economy um it was you know it was um win win at least to to some sections of society you know yes in the us and in the advanced economies some of the less skilled people some of the you know people who basically worked in manufacturing sector jobs etc they lost jobs because manufacturing get got shipped out of the us into you know into uh, um, uh, uh, china for instance um, but as a consumer you know the american consumer benefited you know enormously right mm. um, so in that in that in that way it was a win win so i i'm saying it 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 has been a you know a, a win win um, but with some caveats and i think the new form of globalization can actually you know and and, and you know using this um, using the 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 corridor can be one that can be also sympathetic to you know to some of the problems that come from those that lose out because of globalization um so it's a more sort of compassionate um form of globalization uh, r rather than a very 
sort of cold-blooded one. I know this is a very complex question that I'm asking you, but I'll still go ahead. Which is, could you paint a simple picture of the global economy currently in 2023? Mm. Um, of course, I know you'll have to highlight America, you'll have to highlight Europe, the yeah. Gulf, yeah. Africa. Yeah. And Asia in general, we don't really speak about Asia, especially the Far East and all this. Mm. It's never come up on the show. So mm. I'd let you take it in whatever direction you think is best. So I think um, the first thing to recognize when we talk about the global economy today is that um, India is likely to be the bellwether for growth, um, you know, in the in the global economy for the foreseeable future. That's the first aspect to will be the you know, quite likely the fastest growing economy, you know, among all the large economies and thereby contributing to world growth, you know, uh, possibly the most. Um, when you look at the US, um, I think the US, you know, um, th there have been some, in my opinion, um, you know, policy aspects that um, could have been possibly, you know, done differently. But US, I would um, always sort of um, be careful to bet against because uh, it's still the, the the country where the best people, you know, choose to go and live and work. Um, and so by the, by the fact that they actually get still, you know, the world's best talent um, is something that you have to keep in, you know, factored. Um, when it comes to Europe, I think Europe, in my opinion, faces structural problems, um, you know, maybe the 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 best may be behind um when it comes to china i think um we've already spoken the demographics and also some of the problems on their financial sector the kind of investment over investment that they've done all that will certainly mean this decade will be very tough for them and maybe even going forward things may be actually um you know uh, uh, may not be very rosy when it comes to, I think, in in the you know uh, Asia, uh, I think the Middle East, there are some pockets of you know good opportunity there, growth, um, you know, which um, because there are sort of important changes in the society also that is that is happening there, which will you know further sort of and 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 lead to better economic policy. Um, for instance, you know. Uh, um, possibly increase in female, female labor force participation. Um, mm. You know, that may be something that can actually make a big difference to, you know, in the Middle East. Um, I think Africa, I am still, you know, um, I don't have a very clear view at this point in time. Um, there's enormous potential there for sure. Um, but I think there's also, you know, an enormous opportunity thereby to actually um, reap the benefits of good governance there. Um, and, and, you know, I think I'll leave it at that. Wow. Okay. Is Africa ever going to be a continent that India can look at as a target for exports? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, I, uh, uh, Africa is, you know, um, is a very important, uh, continent for India, you know, um, both in terms of sharing some of our lessons on, you know, on, on development, on growth, um, but at the same time, also as as a partner, you know, in 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 trade and and economic growth. Okay. What about the Far East? Yes, I think Far East for sure because they are, you know, as now um, through some of the steps that are being taken now, you know, by the by the current prime minister, um, I think he's he's uh, built good relationships there as well, and given 
the economic um, energy that may come there with the you know uh, with the um, sort of some of the policy changes i think those will be very good opportunities for us as well um, and there may be also important changes that may be happening you know in the far east given climate change and you know um, uh, uh, what what that would mean for their their own economic policies as well so that could also be uh, you know important opportunities for india okay uh, how much does climate change affect an economist job because only recently do i hear yes. uh, people in governance talking about climate yes. change all yes. over the world not yes. just in india yes no i think if you had asked an economist let's say 10 years back mm. um i don't think he would have you know uh, uh, talked about the importance of climate change for the macro economy or the economy at at large um but today i think you know it, it can pose an important macro risk as well because uh, it affects agriculture primarily like, it can uh, affect agriculture for sure but you know it can also you know uh, um through natural disasters um can create damage and thereby leave you know um some of the vulnerable sections of society you know in quite a, a, a significant amount of distress um and so you know building those safety nets um, for such people i think that also becomes very important of course apart from you know focusing on agriculture but also even terms in terms of the use of energy you know the um, kind of energy that uh, you know you want to focus on um, for your for your growth that also becomes very important as well i have a very morbid question i wish to ask you but that's what we do on podcast so <laughs> uh you know there was these movies like uh, the day after tomorrow where they actually show a mass flooding etc we're seeing sort of versions of these natural disasters happening mm-hmm. all over the world constantly mm-hmm. if we continue the way we're continuing and when if we don't talk enough about climate change mm-hmm. and we i think if enough policies are not created about climate change yeah. probably the 2030s and the 2040s will be very catastrophic in terms of worldwide floods etc so as an economist say hypothetically you're in that position where now you're dealing with a much smaller population mm-hmm. the morbidity of this question is that what if climate change causes a huge amount of death because that's how nature works yeah yeah if if you abuse nature nature will abuse you back yeah and it probably is just like clean up yes a lot of humanity yeah yeah how does uh, the economics of that new world work so you know it's a i would put down uh, you know put that down as a, a sort of collection of unknown unknowns mm. um and therefore whatever i say here will be you know um, sort of speculative somebody goes and checks when that event happens 10 years later i may be wrong um uh, but with that caveat um i would say you know it depends on you know of course it's it's a very morbid um, you know sort of line of thinking but um within that if for instance people who are you know who who uh, who uh, we we let's say lose in the workforce if they're very skilled you know um then i think the impact will actually be much greater um than if they are actually if they are you know not as skilled i think it's a the way this comes out is it seems unfair maybe it it, it doesn't have the it may seem a little cold blooded as well and i'm sorry about no, you it's know, a cold blooded uh, question so <laughs> i have put you here sir um, i should be apologizing yeah, but um, i don't feel like apologizing because it's a podcast <laughs> yeah but i think um over so so the the silver lining therefore you know um to that is that if you can use technology to you know one 
be able to anticipate a lot of this um, and thereby also, you know, do prediction well, um, but not just predictions at the macro level, but localized, for instance, where is it that this, you know, disaster is going to possibly happen, move people, you know, come up with, when I say technology, I'm not, I don't mean only in terms of just tech tech, right, but, you know, in terms of the sort of the, 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 the response model, you know, being able to quickly move people, maybe a, maybe a, a million people within a day, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that kind of technology as well, you know, to safe places. Um, and I think potential, ha you know, there is potential for such such sort of quote unquote models to be developed. Um, okay. And and if that happens, then we can certainly limit the damage. Um, so it would require, you know, us to be able to predict very well. So, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the models that we'll have to predict these will have to, you know, possibly use a lot of AI, because this is, we are talking about unknown unknowns, not just unknowns here. Um, so that we get the prediction in a localized manner saying, oh, you know, it is going to be, let's say, this particular five kilometer track, you know, in this particular district, uh, let's say in, you know, in, in this particular state, uh, that's where the flooding is going to be so large. Mm -hmm. And so move people there, or maybe in a town, you know, or in a we move, move people. So the prediction and the, and the response, you know, both of these are, I think, very important. Um, but suppose, let's say, you know, and worst case scenario, despite all this preparation, you know, on the, on the, prediction technology on the response, uh, you know, technology um, response mechanisms. If still, you know, let's say we end up losing a large chunk of humanity, then again, you know, uh, using technology to, to quickly train people, um, the, the, those that survive, I think will also be important in being able to, you know, get over this. Um, so I, I, I hope I've been able to answer this question sympathetically, <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, it, it, is, it is a morbid thought. Yeah, this is true for a zombie apocalypse as well, or <laughs> any any extremely morbid movie yes. scenario. This yeah. is how the government would react. Yeah, that, no, I think that's true. It, but it, but, but it, I, I'm glad you're asking this because, you know, um, it, it's, it's always sort of good to be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. Uh, one last question for you, sir, uh, because... There's no way that I can cover everything that I wish to cover in just one episode. So I'm assuming that I'm going to see you again in life at some point <laughs> and we will continue. And in that one, we'll talk about the IMF and all these other aspects of your life. Sure. But uh, you've had one crazy life, like honestly, like from uh, your childhood to IIT, to cricket, yeah. to MBA, to economics, to the government, to whatever you're doing now. It's just... It's too many things. Uh, one lesson <laughs> from all of this. I think just be true to yourself. That's the um, work hard, you know, don't put on a pretense. Um, I think those are the lessons that I've, if, if there's one thing that I would give, you know, myself some credit for, it is that I've always had good intent, um, which means that that good intent has been even since the time when I was actually, you know, um, before I went to, you know, university as well, I was very clear I didn't want to live a life of I, me, myself, you know, um, uh, maybe my father, you know, sort of uh, inspired me, instilled um, the kind of sacrifices he made for us, um, I think inspired me. But um, that is one part actually that I had absolute clarity about that. I wanted to do something, you know, that was just beyond I, me, myself. Um, 
and and i think um this is something which you know uh, i'm sure you will relate to and anybody who's who's had some some of some some kind of a journey on the spiritual path you know will also relate to that we all have you know a, a small mind and a big mind the small mind is you know just doing you know i me myself i me myself i me myself all the time you know um the the big mind actually is, you know says let's stop that chatter of i me myself all the time and let's think a little let's get out of that and think beyond um and shall we do something that is actually for somebody else and thereby you know get get enormous satisfaction from that i think you know i i would that's one lesson that i would actually take for myself more than anybody else um and uh, you know um, in that that intent or 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 listening to the big mind um, and not just getting consumed by the small mind within me you know um okay i think it's about the energy you give out so that intention you carry in your heart eventually becomes the vibe that you give out in the world and the world I sends so. it back to you because when your so. intention is to help help yeah. comes to you no i th- that i think is a very very uh, you know very very good po- point very profound point which i think only somebody who's had some who sort of vetted his feet in you know in the spiritual path can say because i mean i've i've myself sort of felt and you know people may call this unscientific or you know whatever and i, I don't care um but i will i will say that you know when you have good intention you know i think the universe supports you you think economics as a subject especially when you're doing practical economics mm-hmm. you worked with the biggest country in the world mm-hmm. technically mm-hmm. the largest population does it change you on some spiritual level oh absolutely absolutely i think to me you know um the the 3 the years working as a ca was you know a, a, an intensely spiritual experience for me i mean that's maybe a topic for a for a later conversation but um see it's one thing to you know learn stuff principles you know about basically you know your your own ego your you know uh, um things like the small mind big mind you know um it's one thing to learn that in you know in a in, a, in scriptures and another thing to actually implement it in reality um i think the test really comes this is something that i've genuinely believed you know um the spiritual path is not about intellectual you know it's not about reading and being able to show off your knowledge about you know um it is about how much are you able to imbibe in your life that is the true test of you know um spiritual uh, life and i think for me you know i i i look back at, at these you know the 3 years as for me it was an intensely spiritual experience a very uplifting experience as well because every thought and decision is going to affect a huge mass of people yes. you're dealing with so many souls all at once through that yeah. one sentence on your paper correct actually through that but, but also that's see that i think thinking like that can actually make you you know sort of maybe paralyzed um saying oh you know what i'm thinking is you know can affect so many people etc that is uh, you know i would capture that as sort of the, the most important shloka in the bhagavad gita you know shloka 47 in chapter 2 karmanye vadikarase ma phaleshu kadachana ma karma phale hetur buhu mate sangostu karmani that i think teaches you that even though you have that goal of basically wanting to do good for you know you have to take your mind out of that outcome 
and just focus on the effort. Um, I think to me, that was an exemplification of, um, so I'll, I'll share, you know, in, I used to uh, um, do this when I used to take exams, for instance. Um, I went in, the mindset with which I would go into an examination was that those three hours or the two hours, three, uh, three hours that I'm writing that examination, my duty is only to answer the questions. Not think about, you know, what is the outcome of the exam? You know, how am I doing in the exam? How is everybody else doing in the exam? That is all on the outcome. My dharma, you know, in the next three hours is only to answer the question, not judge it. You know, and, and that is what I would... So I would keep my focus intensely on just answering the questions. In, in, to me, that was the exemplification of this particular shloka. Um, on just focus on the effort um, and the outcome, you know, takes care of itself. Um, I think whatever learnings I had, you know, through these, these through, through my life, all that, you know, uh, uh, was sort of came to a crescendo in some sense, um, you know, during the, the three year uh, tenure. Um, uh, and it's something that I look back, uh, you know, with a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. They say that the two most important days in a man's life is the day he's born and the day he finds out why. <laughs> so no, I think that will be a big statement. <laughs> I, I, I think you know. Um, I don't think I've understood my and, okay. uh, my why. I mean, you served as the CEA, which I. But you know, I mean, truth be told, um, to even think that oh, I was born because I had to be the CEA. You know, okay. I think that's a There's even more to life. Not as much from the perspective of more to life, but I think. That kind of thinking will build a lot of ahankar, you know. Mm. I mean, it's and um, it's it's. So let me put it this way: I, you know, being an instrument for something, you know, good uh, to have happened is something that I feel take a lot of satisfaction from. I really, um, uh, but that's it, you know. Okay. I think not, not and and in, this is also this is the other thing that Krishna teaches as well, you know. It's basically that. Don't take yourself to be the doer. Mm. Fair. Let's leave it at that. KV sir. Thank you. Honor, pleasure. Uh, extremely stimulating speaking with you. Uh, thank you for being on the show for and giving us so much of your time. I know you have a lot of things to do, but you still took out the time, gave us two incredible episodes. Uh, I hope life makes us cross paths again. Sure. And I hope you had fun. I hope I did justice to this introductory conversation with you. I, I think you know uh, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I it it was a very free free flowing conversation, and that's something which I and I think I mean I I hope I I, I don't know what the what others would think, but I think it was an honest conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. I think it comes through after like four hours of <laughs> being on the internet. People can pick up on the raw form of the human being, and I think that's the point of podcasts. So, thank you for being a great guest, sir. Sure. Uh, meant a lot to me and the full team. We'll see you soon. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. That was the episode with KV Subramanian. So, I was going to return on the show. Please tell me what you thought of this particular episode. Tell me what you'd like for me to ask him the next time around. Tell me what else you'd like to hear from these economics-based conversations. I'm okay to deep dive into this subject. I'm just not too sure about what audiences truly expect out of this subject. So help me out in the comment section. TRS is going to be back soon. We're always improving with your feedback. So keep supporting, keep consuming this podcast.